welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Mike Hansen. And I guess I'll start by saying, Mike, I think uh, after this week, everybody needs a reclining Buddha in their life. And I have that as my background. That's partly because we need, I think, uh, some relaxation that comes with enlightenment. So that's what I hope we can provide in this call is some relaxed enlightenment. Uh, and with that, I guess where I'd like to start is by recognizing how much new information we've gotten that creates quite a bit of uncertainty in the global outlook. Uh, and obviously the, the focus is rightfully on the stress and financial uh, system right now, but we should at least as we lay this out, recognize that as we've moved through the first quarter of 2023, we've had both macro and financial uh, shocks that have hit us. So let's, let's start by putting on the table both of those. Sure. I mean, uh, it's been if you go back a week or two, the discussion was very heavily focused on the macro side of things, right? In that uh, there's a lot of focus on the fact that the labor markets continue to to be uh, fairly tight, uh, and that's been helping feed very strong inflation, particularly on the core services side, which has really been the focus of the Fed and some other central banks. Um, and so there was a lot of talk that central banks would actually have to do more. We certainly, including from the central bankers themselves. I mean, exactly. Important. Yes, right. So, uh, yeah, a week ago, roughly this time, uh, you know, Chair Powell was talking about uh, a very real possibility the Fed would go faster than 25 at some meeting coming up, perhaps next week, perhaps sometime thereafter. Um, and that was obviously a reflection of, of the fact that there was this concern that came in the last couple of months of data that the slowdown we saw late last year had suddenly kind of reaccelerated. Um, well, there's was, both the both on the growth and the inflation side, and we should recognize right, that as right. as recently as Tuesday, which seems like a lifetime ago, we did get a 0.5 print on core CPI uh, pushed the U.S. three month run rate. Um, where is it now? It's about five percent or so. I forgot where where that yeah, is. I was looking at the core services like shelter. It was, I know that one's running at four seven and a three month rate. So you're probably close to five. Yeah, so uh, there we had that, and of course we did revise up our U.S. GDP forecast to two and a half percent for the first quarter, with consumers downshifting less than we thought they would in February, and and, and pointing to gains running probably a little above four percent here. So we have we have that, and obviously uh, that that message is being echoed by other things across the world. Um, well, so, a strong, yeah, strong reopening story for China as well, right? Yeah, so we, we actually raised our growth forecast for China this week, a first quarter up to nine and the over year, the year average close to six now in terms of right. our forecast. So all of that is is in the background. This is not a uh, stress factor that's happening because global growth is creating losses on balance sheets or um, creating fear of something terrible happening. It's 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 disconnected from that. And then let's talk about what's going on on the financial side. How do we how do we put that in the in the in the picture, especially when we think about what central banks have to do here? Well it's certainly a big source of uncertainty, right? Because it it raises the question of whether there's additional kind of unknown unknowns out there. Uh, at this point it looks like it's perhaps relatively contained. I don't know if I want to sound overly optimistic there, but uh, I wouldn't I would not. I would, I would, I would agree with the idea that um, the stress that comes from uh, banks having a, a challenge holding on to deposits and funding themselves is something that the Fed can 
and has shown an ability to deal with it. It, it did a lot of lending over the last week, uh, some to banks through the to the discount window, actually very little through the new facility it set up, right. and actually some to help fund the FDIC, which is an interesting new wrinkle in this story as well. Um, but um, you know that's not the entirety of the story. Uh, you are, you're opening up a can of worms here as you start to see stress build more broadly with people worried about institutions like Credit Suisse, which is not about their you know, securities portfolio. And we don't know where that's going to lead. And once it spreads outside the banking system, the ability of the Fed and other central banks to, to contain it um, by providing funding becomes a lot less um, uh, you know, uh, effective. So, right. you know, we don't, I'm, I'm not trying to push a story that says we are in a crisis, but I'm certainly suggesting we, we see the stress, uh, we, we can see what central banks can do, and I think they can do a good job uh, making sure central, making sure banks are, are funded here, especially because banks have relatively strong capital positions. They don't have losses on their loan books, which are likely to, to create serious problems. Um, but that's not the only part of the story, and we just don't know whether there's going to be a much bigger other part of the story. And I think that gets us into the issue of um, central banks have been, and, and certainly uh, President Lagarde was making this point, and I think uh, Chair Powell will next week, central banks have tools to deal with um, financial stability issues, which should allow them to continue to do what they need for the macro side. So as you were saying, the inflation news keeps running hot, growth is surprising to the upside. That was pointing in the direction of higher rates, um, but they're not going to move as, as much as they had been suggesting. This is not purely a separate issue for their point of view. So let's, let's talk about what is it that's changing in central bank thinking uh, in a world in which the growth and inflation surprises have been to the upside here. Well, yeah, I think, again, it's this, this uncertainty and the questions around the transmission mechanism, particularly, obviously, as it works through aspects of the financial sector that may become dislocated in kind of nonlinear ways, right? Uh, and so that's, I, I think, has moved central banks to have to trade off a little bit this choice between uh, their well understood, I think, at this point, need to continue to, to fight inflation uh, and the concerns that you know, perhaps that's not the most immediate uh, concern, given what's happening in financial markets and the, the certainty that's well, been let me break this up because I think there's kind of two channels at least. There may be more than two channels that this works on central banks. One is when they see these kind of stresses happening and they see the stresses being associated in part with the rapid move of interest rates and the inversion of the curve, they certainly have to ask themselves whether there's a broader story here that the speed at which they've moved is actually um, something which is a, a cause for financial instability. And that's kind of what you were you know, hinting right. at when you're talking about that. But I think there's a, a specific channel here where it says, hey, you guys have moved a lot. Fed's moved 450 sure. basis points in 12 months. And maybe just that's a, that's too much for the system to adjust to in such a short period of time and you need to give it space. And I think that's certainly one element of it. The other element to this is even if you don't have a bank um, um, crisis in terms of right. uh, deposits fleeing or um, you know, a lot of banks going under, you do have a, a, an event here that is almost certainly going to lead to a material credit tightening. Um, and, right. you know, you've done some work, uh, our U.S. team has done some work on small bank lending here, which is obviously where the pressure is. 
why don't you talk a little bit about the role of small banks here in the in the credit uh, intermediation process? Yeah, small banks obviously have been an important provider of credit on a couple of key channels. Probably the one that stands out the most is commercial real estate, where there's uh, you know, certainly had been some uncertainty previously about you know everything that's happened post pandemic about that sector, right? Um, so that's certainly one area. Uh, we we've certainly also seen uh, already indications of tightening credit availability through the SLUs data, right? Which we have through the fourth quarter. Senior um, loan officer survey. Loan officer survey, exactly. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and you can see it not just in the U.S. I mean, it's, it's pretty much yeah. across the G4. Um, in the U.S., we do have the ability to separate small uh, and large banks, or I guess large, medium, and small banks. Um, and there's a little bit more tightening thus far on the small bank side. This suggests there potentially could be further tightening there you know, the u.s team is but i think the point the point i would make is that yep. there's tightening going on but the small banks have been the the important bigger source the, of lending. biggest source of lending growth in the last three to six yes. months than than on average and as you noted they're particularly concentrated in commercial real estate and in some cases are important in the regional space obviously sure. um silicon valley in that in that part of the um of the economy on the west coast so um, there's every reason to think both because the market pressures on banks as well as the regulators' response to this, that things are going to get get tighter here and and tighter in a way that that will reinforce the idea that the lags in the transmission mechanism may be variable, but they're now starting to kick in in a way that um, we didn't see as recently as a few months ago. I mean, it, it's interesting that if you look at the turn into the new year, we were actually seeing our, our measure, which we, we rely on the Treasury's um, financial conditions index for stress right. measures. You know, those things were actually going back below longer term norms as we moved right. through uh, the first quarter up until last week. Um, and, you know, that certainly must have had some impact on Fed thinking, which now you say, OK, well, things are maybe they're not crisis. We'll see if there's a crisis. But even if it's not a crisis, you're now starting to get bang for your buck in terms of the transmission where credit is a is a pretty important uh, channel so let's let's talk about um the fed next week specifically we've seen the ecb um yep. they did move 50 they took out the forward guidance right, um, and i thought it was interesting that lagarde said you know what we're we're uncertain here we can't give forward guidance but if the financial stresses don't materialize into something big on the macro scene we still have a lot of ground to cover. So she was right. conditionally saying they're, um, you know, possibly going to have to come back and do some more here, even if they're right now feeling unwilling to deliver uh, guidance. But let's talk about the Fed next week. What do we expect there? Yeah, there we're looking for 25 basis points. There's obviously a, a kind of a range of views now in the markets. Um, you're seeing 25, I think, mostly priced in at this point, last I checked, or at least partially priced in. Um, but regardless, you know, in terms of the guidance the Fed has given to this point um, with the ongoing rate hikes, we do think that language will likely change, uh, change in a way that, again, much like you said, for the ECB reinforces this idea that there is likely more work to do from the macro perspective. But at the same time, the Fed is very focused on, you know, protecting the economy from uh, particularly adverse, nonlinear sort of financial market shock, whether it's the banking sector. So let's, let's be specific on language. And I think there's two places to talk about language. The one is the written language in terms of the statement. And okay. I think there it's pretty clear they're going to take out the ongoing increases guidance that they've given us. And 
um, they probably will maintain some sense of a tightening bias, but not not with any specificity about whether they're going to act or not. So I think that's the easy one to tie down. Uh, the second one is we had Chair Powell talking not more much more than a week ago about higher terminal rates, uh, possibly moving 50, as you said up front. That's going to be the real interesting one because he's going to, I think, be the the dominant um, communicator of guidance here, and he's going to change uh, more materially. The question is, how much does he change, and how does he set the tone uh, for Fed, um, um, you know, thinking going forward from here? Right. Well, some of that's probably going to be influenced by what the committee communicates, obviously indirectly because they don't vote on it, but in terms of the dots and in terms of the forecast going forward, right? Um, I think that that's right. And what what do you think that they will do on the on the key dots, which is the the dots on rate rate increases in twenty three beyond the move uh, next week? Yeah, I mean, obviously they they were leaning, or it felt like they were leaning very much in the direction of those going up and perhaps going up materially. And now I think it's a closer call between them perhaps staying, which would signal effectively one more hike at this point, uh, or perhaps adding a, an additional twenty five. Right. So you could you could imagine either one of those scenarios, kind of depending upon. A, what happens between now and, and Wednesday, quite yeah. frankly, in financial markets, and then B, you know, we'll, we'll probably learn a little bit more about the relative strength of kind of more hawkish, more dovish perspectives on the committee vis-a-vis um, -vis yeah. the dots. Right? But I would, I would have to say that I don't think Powell, you know, to the degree that the committee is uh, either being slow in, 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 in responding to news or um, is being a bit more... Uh, uh, hawkish than he feels is appropriate given the shifts. I don't totally think his fair. I don't think his language in terms of talking about risk in the press conference is really going to be um, significantly influenced by that. I think that's um, fair. So we'll we'll see how far he goes. Uh, I think he's probably going to keep a line similar to Lagarde that the Fed can keep separation present and that there's a bias. I don't think he's going to be quite as strong and perhaps not nearly as strong as. Lagarde and talking about how much they might have to do. I think at this point he doesn't want right. to push his luck on on being off if things do turn to be far more uh, stressful here. Um, so we'll see. I think from our own point of view, I think one of the interesting points is we were starting to shift towards saying, "Hey, these folks are not going to be able to pause. They're going to be, you know, continuing to lean against this, the boiling the frog type scenario." Right. And now with a uh, uh, a contrasting set of uh, uh, of risks, both with the persistence of inflation and the increase in financial stress, it looks reasonable here that they do get to that pausing space. Because I, I would say that um, unless the financial stress really does either be threaten the stability of the system or um, creates a situation where the economy is, is turned into recession pretty quickly, the Fed may stop hiking but the case for easing is just not not there especially given where sure. of the resilience of the economy and where where inflation is so markets got a lot of easing priced in and certainly if they're assessing the financial stress as being one that's building quite dramatically uh the fed will have to deliver that but i think one of the calls we've been making pretty consistently here is don't underestimate the resilience of this economy. And unless the financial stresses really do show themselves in terms of breaking the economy, the most likely thing the Fed's going to do in this environment is just go back to sitting um, on hold here sometime soon um, and waiting this thing out, uh, which is to say they'll stop tightening, but I don't think they'll 
uh, deliver an easing. And that, that makes it interesting because uh, if you don't have the financial stress really break us, there is a risk here that the Fed going on hold sure. um, and you know, letting risk-free rates be lower, right. uh, looking, at, looking at what we're seeing in things like oil prices globally. You know, you've, got some, you've got some positives here that if the stresses don't build that much, actually could, could put pressure on the central banks uh, later this year if economies do show um, more uh, resilience than is currently expected. So I, I think the tails here have gotten to some degree wide in both directions. Um, the, base, the base view is clearly towards uh, being more modest in terms of uh, the pressure on rates. Uh, we um, were probably on, on, on course for raising uh, policy rate estimates alongside the Fed at next week's meeting, and we're no longer doing that. Uh, and so we'll see, we'll see where we are. Um, let's talk for just one moment. We're not going to really focus on this, on, on what's happening uh, in the global economy. I guess, you know, the, the China story is relatively straightforward. I don't really want to dwell on that. Uh, the, you know, the interesting issue to me right now is, um, are we really having that momentum lift broaden globally in a way that we're going to see manufacturing turn because manufacturing has been a weak link. We have sure. um, the news this week from Asian in a number of places. We have the uh, PMIs, flash PMIs out next week from the advanced economies. What's the, what's the message we're going to get there? I think the general expectation is we're going to see some uh, signs that the services sector is continuing to pick up, but that the manufacturing sector, you know, some lingering weakness there. The regional surveys in the U.S., for example, were, were fairly soft. So there's a possibility for a decent size reduction, perhaps, in the manufacturing PMI for the U.S. We'll have to see enough to yeah, enough I think that's at a level that's going to be much more cautious. So, and I think if you look at the Asian data, <laughs> excuse me, we're no longer seeing the consistent signal that things are going down, but it's harder to get this clear sense yet that that we've actually turned the corner. We still have lingering weakness in tech and obviously there is still um you know issues around inventories and just generally whether or not there's enough goods demand to, to really turn manufacturing around china will give a big boost so when we add china to the global aggregate i think that's enough if they're growing at one percent a month here for the first quarter at least then that's going to give you a big boost but what the question of whether japan and korea and taiwan and, and by extension whether it spills to the u.s where um you know, this this um, week's uh, February report was was a little better than expected, but came at the expense of downward revisions to, to previous months. We'll just have to wait and see. But I think we'll end there. Uh, we are looking for 25 from the Fed next week, taking out any clear forward guidance of further hikes, but maintaining that bias. And again, as we said, and as the ECB did this week, continuing to try to keep a separation without losing sight of fact that there is an influence of financial stress in terms of both what they'll do next week and as well what we think they'll do uh, with a less aggressive stance of policy as we go forward for the next number of months. And on that note, we'll end. Hope everybody uh, can come and listen as we keep watching this next week on JP Morgan TV.